0: Today, it is truly a delight. This is the first time that Brother Painter has been in our new building. So, why don't we give our visitor a warm welcome. Brother Brother Painter is no stranger to Cornerstone. We love him. Um, I'll just say this before he comes. He doesn't need me to do this, but I do it because I want to. Out of all the speakers that we have on a yearly basis, Brother Painter is consistently at the top of everybody's favorite here in Cornerstone. And so without any further delay, one more time, let's give that hand clap to the Lord in thanks and appreciation for the man of God.
1: Pastor and Sister Mayo, thank you for the invitation and for the warmth of the Cornerstone Church. Over the years, it's good to see your faces. I take great comfort in seeing the same people living for God year after year. It's so good to see you and so good to be with you. And this is marvelous. This is beautiful. Look what the Lord has done. thank you for standing Almighty God you know my thoughts from afar God you are the Origin and the destination of everything I have to say here this morning. Lord, you know the affection I have for you, and with my voice I will worship you in what follows. Yet how well I know that my worship cannot add, it cannot detract from your glory. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And I know how well my worship says more about me than it could ever say of you. The one who stands in front of a masterpiece doesn't judge the masterpiece. It is my response to the masterpiece that is judged. If I find it worthy, then there's something in me that is true. And If I'm not impressed, the defect is in me. And just so, as we all stand before him today, I pray that you, Lord, would hear our worship, that you would search us, And that you would teach us the beauty of your ways and show us your glory. I once met a peculiar servant of yours, Lord. And this morning I'm speaking to the Lord, and you are overhearing. I had seen this servant all of my life, but always and only at church. He seemed to get younger as I grew older. But I remember the first time I saw him in church. I must have been about four. And then he seemed a wise old man. Now that I'm 46, whenever I see him, he seems more youthful than ever. But though I'd seen him for many years, We weren't formally introduced until about 20 years ago. And I still remember where I was sitting when I learned his name. I was listening to the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, on a CD player at home. That's how long ago this was, a CD player. I listened to it over and over because I was preparing to sing that evening at church. But Lord, as you know, I turned around and I saw my dear grandmother on the couch. Her hands were upraised and there was a well of tears already collecting on her collarbone. She was mumbling softly, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I had heard the rhythm of the song. I had heard the beat, the syncopations, the modulations, the vocals, the parts. But she was hearing something else entirely, something I didn't yet understand at all. And that's when I first met this servant of yours, I met him while he was sitting there next to my grandmother with his hands upraised and saying the same thing. I wondered how he ever got into my house, so to speak. I asked his name, and he said, It depends on what language you're speaking. In Greek, my name is Apinus. In Italian, Lodate, in German Labat. In Russian, Kvalit. The Chinese call me Zanmei, the Chikawa, And Among the Hebrew people, I have long been known as Hallel. But you can call me praise. I was used to seeing praise, but only at church. But as big as you please, there he was with my grandmother, glorifying you, Lord, in my living room. It was an odd place, Lord, to find praise, I thought. I had always interpreted these songs devotionally when I was at church, but mechanically when I was anywhere else. But not grandma. Not grandma. Not long after that, my wife told me she met this praise in the mall. And Laura said, I was in the Christian bookstore, you know, down on the east wing of the Silverdale Mall, and I saw a picture in the window of a broken man holding a giant nail in one hand and a hammer in the other, collapsed in despair but upheld in the merciful arms of the wounded Christ. Then I noticed I wasn't standing Alone. Praise was standing with me. And he was making a bit of a scene there in the mall, weeping for joy. And I looked back at the picture a second time, and I saw a little better. It was me standing there, broken in the picture the Lamb of God upholding me. I started to weep there. I couldn't break away. She said, I grew up believing in Jesus, but I always believed in him like I believe in the planets and the galaxies. I know they exist, but I haven't seen them. But here I met Jesus. It's probably not a coincidence that when I met him, praise was standing next to me. I still found it, though, odd that praise would show up in such a public place, even if it was a Christian bookstore. But then I remembered taking Laura to dinner just a little after that, a restaurant in Ocean Shores, Washington, right on the edge of the world. The evening was warm and clear, and we were going to watch the sunset over the Pacific, and everything was absolutely perfect, a night I hadn't planned, but God had. We sat by a window, and next to us was a warm fire pit, and the pianist was playing Fur Elise. And in the kitchen... There were clanking dishes and glasses filled with ice and flames swooshing, hissing pans and a hundred happy conversations around me. But then, maker of heaven and earth, praise came in and asked to join our dinner. I told him quietly, not wanting to hurt his feelings too much. At three's a crowd, I'm on a date. But he was undisturbed. He was on a mission. As if he were there to witness a miracle. He sat in the next booth by himself and started to stare out the window like a child. Face almost pressed against the glass. And then the time came at last the hot pink sun descended into the horizon, the waters of the sea boiled, and the waves of heat dancing over the ocean, and the dishes stopped clinking, and the pianist stopped playing, the conversations all around ceased, were hushed, and all was silent in what we call here in church a holy hush, but it happened in a restaurant. In praise, I saw him staring breathless out the window. And then, excellent Lord. The last pink speck of that fiery chariot disappeared and the gates of night closed. And the restaurant filled with sinners and saints alike erupted spontaneously in applause. Praise stood to his feet. He shouted with his hands upraised. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies show his handiwork. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I was conscious a few moments later that I too was clapping. And so was my wife. And in my joy, a sobering question occurred to me. Whom does the atheist have to thank for moments like these? Praise started showing up in all kinds of places with me after that. He began to laugh with our family. We enjoyed each other's company. We smiled at the moon as it changed its faces from night to night. We watched a young man sitting with his friends. One time, a girl that he obviously liked stole a look at him and he blushed and she smiled at this tribute to her beauty. We saw two girls playing kickball on a quiet street and then we listened to the beautiful sound of their mother's voice echoing through the street, calling them home for dinner. Now I remember that I once held my boy In my mere hands, we named him Carter, and you, oh excellent creator, you built his face out of the memories of my father's and grandfather's faces, and you made his eyes china blue. The years have passed, and now I'm talking to him one day. And praise is standing next to me and smiling. And I watch this same son who once stood at my feet and strained his neck to look up at me, stand straight and tall and strong, a full-grown man, and he shakes my hand with a man's grip and speaks to me with a man's eyes and with a voice. And yet he looks at me still the same way he did when he was a little boy. Oh, God. How great you are. I hear praise whispering behind me. I wasn't sure it was appropriate for praise to come with me to the symphony. It wasn't a gospel concert, it was Brahms. But he came anyway. And after the concert, I asked him why he applauded the musician so vigorously. I'll never forget his answer. What marvelous gifts God has given to dust and clay. And I started to get more comfortable around praise everywhere. I was surprised that He's interested in the smallest and most insignificant details of my life. And I think we moved beyond being acquaintances to being friends. But it happened one afternoon. I opened my email, and I read a note from the Dean of Students. It read, Dear Professor Painter, I regret to inform you that one of your students, Denise, was in a terrible car accident last week, and she didn't survive. The family has informed that forthcoming details concerning our funeral will be posted through the following link. Sincerest condolences to you and her classmates. I was crushed. Oh God. She was only 21. She was just one course away from graduating with honors and to think that i had only just spoken with her 3 days before i remember uh, that my last discussion with her was it was about her about her grades i pulled up her document and read what i wrote to her on the document the document and my remarks showed no signs that i was talking to a child on the brink of eternity my last words were Your paper is well written, but there are some research issues we'll need to work through in the next few weeks. In the next few weeks. I looked up from the document and I could almost hear the sudden and terrible crush of a high speed collision glass and metal and fire, a rolling mass of metal coming to a stop at a barricade, a sickening primal scream cut short by the angel of death and a drunk driver staggering out of his car and running away into the night. O man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I thought then of my puny words. There are some research issues we'll need to work through in the next few weeks. What do such words about such trifles mean now? The sudden transfiguration of life into death revealed the irrelevance of so much that I do every day. I remembered the poet Emily Dickinson's words, the bustle in the house the morning after death is one of life's greatest solemnities, the sweeping up of the heart and putting love away until it will be used again in eternity. plays in my mind. I busy myself with menial tasks and hope that my mind won't have time to ask what this suffering for this family means for my belief in a good God. She's not even my daughter. And I don't know why this is affecting me to quite this degree, but it is. I hear a knock on my office door. I open it just a little bit, and it's the familiar face of praise. And I didn't let him in this time. Two days later, I heard the knock again, opened the door again. I didn't have anything to say, not to him. Lord, I thought I had finally found the place that praise didn't belong at all. I told him there's no time for praise right now. I tell you truly, Lord, you know my heart. I didn't reject you. But I believe that there was another side to the story and that it needed to stay in court. I decided it was Payne's turn to have the floor. Payne must be allowed to speak today and in the days following unfettered. Pain and praise, two different advocates for two different sides of life. One is an evangelist for you, the other an evangelist for chaos. But praise just sat there in my office and stayed. The next morning when I walked in, he was already there. I sat down and I ignored him and went about my duties still in no mood for praise. I ignored him for days on end and every morning he was still there and then after a few more days there was another knock but this time I know it can't be praised because he's already in and this is someone else a darker figure more fitting to my mood I didn't need to ask his name for I knew that I was looking at death. I wouldn't let him in. I closed the door and stood against it, and I heard him whisper from behind the door, Live, I'm coming. I have seen the moment of my life flicker, and I have seen the eternal footman pull my coat. My knees turned weak. And I shuffled over to my chair and I remembered praise was still with me and I shouted at him angrily, why are you still here? He had never said much outside of his exclamations of worship. But this time, faithful Lord, he spoke to me. He said, my longtime friend, do you think You're the first to feel pain. You act as though pain is a private revelation of yours. You imagine that suffering has given you a glimpse of a reality that somehow eluded the saints and sages of the past. You're assuming in spite of all that you've been shown, that the patriarchs and the psalmists have praised God only in the absence of pain. But pain and praise aren't two different voices. They are one. When the sweet psalmist of Israel cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, I was there. I was Job's true friend when he said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. When David cried with bitter tears, God, why are you so far from helping me? I was there. I was with David when he climbed atop the walls of mach and wept, Absalom, Absalom, my son. When Israel was at Kabar and they hung their harps on the willows, I was there. They still sang a lament for the ages. Nothing would have been heard from the Philippian jailhouse if pain had not brought Paul and Silas there. But I was there, and our voices filled the night. Jeremy, do you believe that the Holy Spirit inspired these troubling passages of Scripture? Or did the Spirit only inspire passages that speak of the glories of God and the triumphs of his people? God, you remember my answer. I replied, I believe the Spirit is the author of both. All Scripture is given by inspiration of the Spirit. My upbringing taught me to say those kinds of words even when my emotions didn't believe them. And praise answered, you've answered well. Then you believe that the Lord was saying to one and the same Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is a contradiction even in God's own heart. Suffering and praise are not two different voices. I'm the voice of both. Have you forgotten that the symbol of the true faith is the cross? Do you remember in John's gospel that the Son of God said he went to the cross to glorify the Father? I marvel that you don't think I belong where there's suffering In spite of what you know. You have learned that I don't just belong in church. You have learned that I don't just belong in your church, in your home. You have learned that I belong everywhere in life, but only so long as everything in life is okay. You're okay with my presence when there are answers, but you imagine that I'm out of place when there are questions. But if this is all you've learned from me in the last 20 years, you've learned nothing at all. Why aren't you asking me how it was that your grandmother was singing on your couch on that day you met me. Don't you remember that your grandmother went to bed every night later in her life knowing that her husband had been found unfaithful to her and had started another family with another woman? Your grandmother's friends and her church and her relatives knew, and she bore the shame everywhere she went. Don't you remember that when she was a young woman, she stood over the grave of her own child and she wept? Had she erased these things from her mind? That day she sang in your home, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchased of God, lost in his goodness, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Do you imagine that the tears that she shed in your living room were not mixed with great sorrow? Could it be that this is what you missed when you saw her raising her hands and weeping? Do you think it's significant that she was worshiping to a song written by a blind woman who sings of visions of rapture bursting on her sight and of watching and waiting and looking above? Your grandmother had learned that something could only be taken from her if it had been graciously granted to her in the first place. One has to be given health to know what sickness is. One has to be blessed with the miracle of being given a child to understand what it is to lose a child. I never, ever forget the pain. I take the pain and reinterpret it within a larger truth. I belong not only where you watch a sunset and kiss your child's cheek, but I belong and have always belonged where there is sorrow. Christianity was not conceived around a table in a cafe. It was not born in the bliss of Eden. Christianity was born on a cross, and the first words of its creed came from the bloody lips of a dying Christ. We don't praise God in spite of pain. We praise him in large part because it is only through pain that we truly experience what God experiences all the time. Have you never listened to Paul speak of knowing God in the fellowship of his suffering? Rejoice evermore. And then again I say rejoice, says a man writing from prison. And with those words, praise closed his mouth and left my room. I still felt the sting of death, but I was silenced. It was the silence of Job. At what point, I asked myself, does disappointment become pouting and self-indulgence? The next day I went to Denise's funeral. Her brother gave her eulogy, and at the end he said, my sister was... And then he caught himself and said, is a believer. One of her great sorrows, I know, was that I didn't share her faith. In fact, I had never believed in life after death. I was convinced that there was only one omnipotence in the universe, and that was death. But since she died, I've had the hardest time imagining That someone so good, so full of life as Denise was, could really be dead. I'm beginning to believe, I think, that she's not. Faith has appeared to tempt me. Death didn't change what Denise means to me. Denise has changed what death means to me. the light of heaven shone again in my soul at that funeral. I understood and I closed my eyes in reverence and when I opened them again, sitting next to me on the pew was the familiar but somehow changed face of praise. And in his face I saw eternity like a great ring of pure and endless light all calm and bright. His hands were uplifted the same way they were when I had first met him next to my now departed grandmother. And He whispered, death is swallowed up in victory. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. So I say to the church, the book of Psalms begins with a promise of blessing, but what unfolds is often the stories of suffering of ancient Israel, the laments, the troubles. Peppered in there, sprinkled in, are psalms of praise. And lament always turns to praise. Without fail. And so, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His law is... Does he meditate day and night? And the scripture speaks of a path that the wise and blessed man, the righteous man walks. And it takes lots of turns. And there are places where it seems like the clear path has disappeared. In one psalm, David says that he heard the Lord saying, I have set my king in Jerusalem on my holy hill of Zion. But the very next chapter, the very, very next chapter, that king that was installed in Zion was driven by his own son out of the city. And this is the road of the righteous. Trouble, but not perplexed. beat down but not destroyed. And if you stay on this road and you make a habit of praising the Lord at all times, this is where you will end, where Psalm 150 ends. It's the life that has been given to praise. And this is what the psalmist now says. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of his house. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. And then, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Praise (laughs) ye the Lord. So I say today, praise the Lord. Stand up and praise the Lord. Give Him glory and give Him honor. Praise you, the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. My soul cries out praise the Lord. give thanks unto the lord for he is good his mercy endures forever to him alone who doeth great wonders to him that by wisdom made the heavens to him that stretched out the earth above the waters to him that made great lights praise the lord Maybe you once had a praise, but you've lost the praise. Maybe you think it doesn't quite belong and fit with your circumstances. But oh, he does. Oh, he does enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. And to the Lord, the one who is able to keep you from falling, be all honor, praise, and glory forever and ever. He is able to keep you. He is able to fortify your heart when it is broken. Give him praise, for he is good. My soul will say, he is good. Would you come and pray at this altar? Come and pray and bring your praise to the Lord. Your thanksgiving unto him. Bless his name. Cry out to him, call out to him. Father, we worship.